Welcome to Mammoth Community Christian Church. It's such a privilege and joy to worship our Lord with you today. Well, today is one of those very special Sundays where we get to hear from one of our elders, and it's not uh, a regular elder. This is our, our elder of English ministry and youth ministry, Elder James, who we all know so well. Elder James sacrifices hours and hours every week throughout the year and his wife, Sister Sherry, to serving us. And so let's pay special attention today as God speaks through him to us. Welcome, Elder James. Good morning. Praise the Lord that we can worship together today. I have been uh, preaching a series of messages on Israel's Exodus journey. In our previous studies, we learned that God calls Moses from the burning bush from at Mount Sinai to deliver the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. Although Moses feels inadequate for this mission and appears to God with excuses not to go, God is still persistent in his call to Moses and sends his brother Aaron to speak for him. Finally, Moses stops his resistance and returns to Egypt. He and Aaron then come before Pharaoh and ask him in God's name to let God's people go out of Egypt. But the outcome of this first encounter with Pharaoh is very disturbing and troublesome. Pharaoh rejects their request immediately he says, Who is the Lord, Yahweh, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know Yahweh, and moreover, I do not let Israel go. There are many gods in ancient Egypt. Pharaoh probably has never heard of the God of Israel, but it's also possible he looks down on the God of the sl Israel slaves. He refuses to let the Israelites go. Moreover, he makes them work even harder than before. It causes Israelites to upset with Moses and Aaron and confront them with anger for what happened. Moses is also discouraged by this. So he complains to God about why it didn't go as planned. At this juncture, God reveals his plan to Moses in Exodus 6 that we studied last time. God tells Moses he has not fully revealed himself as Yahweh to Israel. But he is about to show them who he is by fulfilling his covenant promises with them. Yahweh is a promise-keeping God. He is faithful to the covenant with his people. God then asks Moses to say to the people of Israel with seven I will statements to promise three things he will do to them. The first thing is, they will experience 
God's deliverance of Israel out of Egypt. As described in the first three I will statements. And the second thing is God's adoption of the nation of Israel as his people in the next two statements. And the third thing is God's gift of the promised land to Israel as their inheritance in the last two statements. These seven I will statements are the gospel for Israel. However, these renewed promises from God fall on the deaf ears. When Moses conveys God's message to them, they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and uh, harsh slavery. They expect to be ex delivered from the hardship of slavery, but end up with more sufferings than before. This setback causes them to lose heart and hope on God's deliverance conveyed by Moses. Even Moses himself has difficulty to believe this mission is possible to succeed. When God asked Moses to go to Pharaoh and present the same request again, Moses replies, The people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. He is frustrated by his ineffectiveness to speak to Israelites and Pharaoh. Here we see how much our faith in God influences our response to God's promise. A commentator says, a promise has no power unless embraced by faith. If our faith is shallow, we are very prone to give up on God's promise and give in to how we feel or what we want, especially when things are getting difficult and weighing down on us. We tend to miss God's blessings that God promises to us. That's why God wants us to go deeper in our faith in Him so that it will not be shaken by the disheartening or challenging situations. What has happened really shows the frail and the broken human condition. But in spite of Israel's unbelief, God shows them grace. He doesn't um, forsaken them because of their unworthiness. He continues to carry out his plan and uses Moses to deliver them. He wants to let them witness his faithfulness in keeping his promises and his mighty power over Egypt. He wants his people to experience who Yahweh truly is and what he is able to do. At the end of Exodus 6, very interestingly, Moses repeats this same response to God again. Moses is the author of this book. He wrote this same interaction with God twice here. 
to emphasize his skepticism of this mission. This could mean that he may have wrestled with God on this multiple times until God reassures him about this mission. In the beginning of Exodus 7, God provides more details of his plan that Moses needs to know. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his name. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the name of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses are 80 years old, and Aaron 83 years old, when they spoke to Pharaoh. God gives a message to Moses right before he goes to Pharaoh again, after his first failed attempt. The next meeting with Pharaoh will trigger the sensational episodes of Ten Plagues and the subsequent Red Sea parting that people are most familiar with in Exodus. Those episodes are intriguing because of their dramatic storylines and the catastrophes. People may wonder why God sends ten plagues to Pharaoh and Egypt. Are those random signs and wonders God selects against Pharaoh? Many Bible scholars agree that the plagues are not arbitrarily chosen to against Pharaoh. God is not just planning to deliver his people from Egypt because he could have done that with one single act of striking. What happened is God is dealing with Pharaoh with a clear purpose. After Pharaoh questions, who is the Lord Yahweh? God intends to use these plagues to demonstrate his divine power over his creation on earth and to show people Yahweh alone is the true God. In this passage, first and foremost, God says, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. After Moses claiming his lack of effectiveness in his speech, God appoints Moses to represent him as God in the eyes of Pharaoh and empower him to do what he calls him to do. In addition to providing Aaron as Moses' prophet to speak to Pharaoh, God gives Moses divine authority and the power over Pharaoh. Whatever he speaks, 
will come to pass. This is a significant enablement to Moses, who considers himself unfit for this mission. When he faces Pharaoh the first time, he asks a subordinate to Pharaoh to request him to let Israelites go. But now he is representing Yahweh to confront and demand Pharaoh. He is empowered to speak God's word to Pharaoh with authority. What is more significant is this is not merely a battle between Moses and Pharaoh. In ancient Egypt, Pharaoh is not only the king of Egypt. He is also considered a god on earth. He is the intermediary between the Egyptian gods and the people. Apparently, there is a great conflict between Yahweh, the true God, and the false gods of Egypt. So this is essentially God's battle against the false gods and the evil powers behind Pharaoh's sinful deeds. Yahweh reveals himself as the creator of the universe by showing his power over the creations. He is declaring he is the only one true God in the world. If Moses is like God to Pharaoh, then Pharaoh must not be God at all. The gods Egyptians serve are all false gods. Yahweh alone is the true God, is the foundational truth of our faith. He has made himself known as the triune God, one God in three persons. God says in Isaiah 44, 6, I am the first and I am the last besides me. There is no God. He reveals himself as the one and only true God throughout the Bible. We believe that he has given the full revelation of himself in his son, Jesus Christ. In the book of Exodus, God is clearly addressing this in the first two of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. These two commandments are closely tied together because the first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. So having other gods is idolatry. The second commandment gives more description of the characteristics of idolatry. God says, you shall not make idols to bow down to them and serve them. So if you worship and serve anything other than the creator God, it is idolatry. God is the only one you should worship and serve. When God addresses the seriousness of idolatry, he describes himself as a jealous God. He is jealous for his relationship with his people because he loves 
his people. His love is a passionate and exclusive love. For those who love him and obey his commands, he will show his steadfast love to them. But for those who chase after false gods, he will punish them, even their descendants. This is how serious God's judgment, judgment is to the sins of worshiping other gods. Idolatry has taken many different forms throughout the ages. The idols in the world today seem to be more sophisticated. It could be money, power, education, politics, appearance, sex, entertainments, and social media. Sometimes even good things, such as church ministry and Bible knowledge, can become idols. An idol can be anything we value more than God himself. It is what comes first in our life, what has captured our heart, or where we find our identity. So it's important to be alerted that we are all tend to wander away from God and worship idols for our heart desire. Very often, the reason we worship idols is because idolatry is easier than faith. If we are not on our guard, we may replace God with what suits our needs without knowing our falling into the trap of idolatry. We have to remember that God not just calls us to restore our relationship with Him through His redemption. He also calls us to worship Him and devote ourselves to serve Him in the way He pleases. He wants us to listen to His voice and follow His word so that we can have the spiritual sensitivity to recognize the false gods surrounding us and the strength to resist them in our lives. That's God's purpose for us today. And that's the same purpose God has for his people during the time of Exodus. We can clearly see God imparts this purpose in his instruction to Moses in today's passage. God tells Moses in verse 2, You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. Let the people of Israel go is the consistent message God instructs Moses to convey to Pharaoh. The first time God tells Moses about this is at the burning bush on Mount Sinai. God says, You and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, and now please let us go a three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Apparently, 
God's heart is to deliver Israelites out of Egypt so they can make sacrifice to him and worship him without bondage. Israelites have been in Egypt for 430 years. They spent many of those years as slaves. They suffered the cruel slavery in a country worshiping false gods. Historical evidence shows that they, made, they were probably prohibited to worship the Lord. When Moses asked Pharaoh the first time to let people of Israel go out of Egypt to sacrifice to the Lord, Pharaoh responds, Who is the Lord Yahweh? and rejects the request. That instance alludes to the fact that Israel is under religious oppression and does not have freedom to worship the Lord. God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt foreshadows God's salvation of all the people from slavery to sin through Jesus. Egypt represents the sinful world. It is a world of idolatry filled with evil. Pharaoh represents the, e the devil who rules this world and keeps people in bondage. Israel represents God's people who are delivered out of darkness. Moses represents Jesus, our great deliverer. We have been set free from the bondage of sin and set apart from this world so we can dedicate ourselves to be the living sacrifice to the Lord, worshiping Him in the, in the spirit and truth is what we are redeemed for. As we focus on worshiping God in our life, Holy Spirit works in us and keeps us away from idols. God's instruction to Moses in these verses gives a concise outline of what happens in each of the plagues. Moses goes to Pharaoh and demands him to let people go. Pharaoh, with the hardened heart, constantly refuses to let them go. Then God sends plague to Egypt with increasingly severity and consequence each time. It goes on and on until God unleashes the tenth plague to strike down all the firstborn in Egypt. Then finally, Pharaoh accepts God's demand and let Israelites leave Egypt. Since I will cover the ten plagues next time, I'm not going into the details of them today. But one thing we should focus on is highlighted in verse 5. God says, The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. God's desire to make himself known is one of the major things in Exodus. The whole story of Exodus is about Yahweh revealing himself as the one true God. For Egyptians who worship their own gods, 
and believe the gods are in control of every aspect of their life, they will see Yahweh's power through the signs and the wonders over their people and land. This is a significant mind-blocking experience that undermines their foundations of faith. All the devastating plagues show God's supremacy and the victory over the gods of Egypt. Only the God of the universe has power to do these miracles. These miracles will be an invitation for the Egyptians to personally believe in the Lord. According to Exodus 12, when the Israelites are finally allowed to go out of Egypt, some Egyptians may have been drawn to God and leave Egypt with Israelites. This testifies that God's deliverance is more than just for the people of Israel. It is also for all the people who live in the spiritual bondage and know Yahweh as the one true God, deserving their worship. From another angle, God's delivery of Israel with his mighty signs and wonders is not only to let Pharaoh know who God is, but also to let Israelites know who God is. Israelites have been in Egypt for 430 years. They have become used to being enslaved and around the false gods of Egypt. They do not know Yahweh well. So just as Pharaoh, who needs to be convinced by God's supremacy, they also need to be convinced. When they see God's power defeating the false gods of Egypt, they will acknowledge God's authority over their lives and remember his mighty hand in delivering them. It certainly brings back their memory of God's covenant promises to them. How much we know God is essential in our faith and worship to him. We have to be sure that the God whom we seek to worship is the God of the Bible. God is only truly known and truly worshipped. When he is known and worshipped as the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have to let God's revelation and his word in the Bible sink into our hearts and our minds in order to know him intimately and grow closer to him constantly. The last part of today's passage describes Moses' obedience to God's command. It says, Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses are 80 years old, and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. God asked Moses and Aaron to speak to Pharaoh all that he commands them. Moses finally recognizes God's sovereignty 
and surrender to God's will. He humbles himself to the Lord and, and uh, obey his words completely. This passage ends with Moses and Aaron's ages at 80 and 83. It signifies the age when Moses served the Lord without reservation. There is a famous quote about Moses' life from D.L. Moody. He says, Moses spent 40 years in Pharaoh's court thinking he, he was somebody. Then he spent 40 years in desert realizing he was nobody. Finally, he spent 40 years showing what God can do with a nobody. So if it takes you a number of years to find out you are nobody, then you are finally somebody that God can really use. It's never too late to serve the Lord who deserves all our worship and dedication. We should be encouraged by Moses' example today and devote ourselves to the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Moses' example uh, to us today. And we pray that you show us your purpose in our lives and give us hard desire to worship you and serve you in all our life. We pray this in Jesus' name.